the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Tuesday, March 20th. This hour, Word FM is presenting an upcoming safety and security conference for churches, businesses, and schools. Guest John Zagoyan, president of Command Excellence and Action Training, is our guest. Faith through the lens of a photographer. That's also this hour. Our guest is Dr. Craig Goodwin. And speaking of photogenic, here they are, the always dapper radio rappers, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Thank you for that kindness. Gosh. Yeah, happy first day of spring. Hey, thanks, John. Thank you. I have a great history in rap. You are like me. We could not do that to save our lives. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Seriously. If one of my loved one's life depended on me rapping, I mean, it'd be over. Are there any rappers who espouse humility? It doesn't seem to be like part of the... uh, Vernacular. No, it doesn't seem to be. Which always surprises me. But I mean, how many... (laughs) How many NFL linebackers support humility or purport humility? What's your parallel? What are you saying? I'm just saying that's not part of the. No. That's not part of the personality. Right. It's it's, big, bigger, larger than life. I mean, how how many uh, fighter pilots are humble people? Yes. Probably not very many. So if you're going to take the stage, you're going to claim it. How many neurosurgeons? Well, you think there might be a few humble neurosurgeons? What do you think? How about Ben Carson? He's a brain surgeon. He was a brain surgeon. He's not anymore. No, but he, I, he strikes me as a humble man. He does seem to be humble, man. Mm-hmm. Oh. He's the only. Neuro, I mean, I've I've known several neurosurgeons. Have that. you? Yeah. Well, how, well, I used to work. You travel at, in those circles. No, I used to work at the School of Medicine. So. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm just saying you have you cannot you have to be a certain personality to do that. Yeah. You can't be a fading flower and be a fighter pilot. No, you can't be. But you could take the stage and as a rapper, uh, you know. I, I, when I, I just hear think it, it's a personality. It thing. always sort of turns I, into itself. There are, I, I, I just, I don't think that there. I just think it, to do the thing, you have to be a certain way. How about Lecrae? Have you heard Lecrae? Uh, Lecrae was at Jubilee last year. Yeah, I, I heard him speak. He and? seemed, he seemed like a humble person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trip Lee was there this year. Trip Lee, boy, did he do an excellent job? That was a, that was a good talk. Nice. He and Andy Crouch were the uh, A and B Together. on Friday did night Crouch, Jubilee. Right? Andy Crouch like did us. not rap, right, right. no, which was good for everybody, right. but they were a good one-two punch. Well, happy first day of spring Thank with you. six to ten inches in the forecast. Did you? I was hoping that they would have revised that. You know, at the they beginning, did. I think it was two to four. She didn't say that. She said six to ten exactly. at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't been revised for her. No, <clears throat> no. You have plans for this evening? Yeah, I'm going to sit home and be depressed that it's snowing. No, it's going to melt. It's the first day of spring. We're well, fine. This is so uncharacteristically optimistic I don't of you. Believe, why? Because you are you are the Irish dark cloud a lot of the time. It's the first day of spring. If Listen, you can't be positive on the first day of spring, when can you ever be I'm positive? I'm just saying that I barely know you at this point. Well, I mean, I came in today all morose because it was so cold and it's going to snow and oh my gosh, and look at this. And you were like, no, it's all God. It's good. It's all good. That's crazy. Because it's the first day of spring. I mean, if it was this, this is like, you know, January 12th, then of course I'd wear the coat of despair. 
All but right. not today. I mean, I, I want to encourage you. Thank you. I think you're making a step forward. <laughs> in my prowess and for, for quality mental health. I think you are. On the first day of spring, everyone I should be happy. So two students critically injured. Um, the gunman passed away. Uh, shooting at Great Mills High School, Southern Maryland, uh, just as classes began today, according to the St. Mary's County Sheriff's Office. What possesses a child... A young man to walk into a school and start to shoot. What is that? Well, we might never know since this uh, young man is dead. Well, prayers for the victims, the families. All right. So here's my question. Do you think that this shooting changes the gun control debate? Uh, I think it energizes the people who said, hey, yeah, we should have armed security guards or armed. um, But although it was not a teacher who shot this man. No, it was a uh, armed school resource officer, according to The Washington Post, which is the article I'm reading from. Apparently, that's a police officer, a full time officer who resides, uh, works in the school itself. Apparently, and this was this news story is, uh, from the Post is from eleven twenty seven a.m. So there could be something more recent than this uh, on the Post website. Um, I have not looked, but it says at that point that the the armed school resource officer fired a single shot at the shooter, and it was not immediately clear if the school resource officer's round struck the shooter. So they're saying it could be a suicide. They, yeah. But at this point, at the time of this printing, uh, they were not sure. Hmm. Well, but it has – But it, it ha- Of course, it's tragic. It could have been much more tragic. Um, and it just – I'm not a – I don't have a gun. I, I'm not – gun culture is just not something I understand. I, it's not that I dislike it. I, I just don't under, I don't know anything about it. So I don't feel like I have a dog in this fight when it comes to, to gun control. Um, I, I can really see uh, perspectives on both sides sure. of this issue. But hearing about this story today makes me think, oh, you know what? This is going to change everything. Yeah, I think it will. John Sikoyan is going to be with us. He's our first guest of the show right out of the shoot. Uh, ironically, John's here to talk to us about a safety and security conference, but that's his line of work. That's his business. So he can chime in on this, I'm sure, all day long. Mm-hmm. How about uh, the rest of the show? Yeah, so uh, we're excited because in our 5 o'clock hour, we welcome Dr. N.T. Wright back to the program. Tom. And Tom, yeah. He said to call. For yeah. We can call him Tom, which I think makes us feel like we're like in rarefied air. Brand new work. If you've never read anything by N.T. Wright, he is one of the great theological minds of our generation. Uh, his new book on Paul um, is one of the most remarkable books I've read in the last five years. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it that much. Former Bishop of Durham of the Church of England, one of the world's leading Bible scholars, he'll join us for the entirety of the 5 o'clock hour today. Very nice. And uh, along with uh, John Zagoyan and N.T. Wright, We're also going to talk to a pastor slash photographer and looking through the lens of faith and beauty, how those two intersect. That's The Ride Home with John and Kathy, first day of spring. 101.5 WORD. Here's what's happening today on Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. Your husband or wife does not even have to be a Christian for God to speak through them. God speaks through all kinds of people, but it's coming out through your husband's voice or your wife's voice, and you need to pay attention because God may be wanting to say something to you at that very moment that you need to hear, and he's your wife or your husband is the closest megaphone he can find. 
Daily Hope with Rick Warren tomorrow morning at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Yep, traffic. It is what it is. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners, and cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me. With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek. There he was on the radio again. Kurt Knodek. Yeah, retire sooner. So I called Kurt. We just talked about life, family. It felt right. Then come to find out. Kurt's personalized retirement planning showed me retirement wasn't as far off as I thought. Now the only thing I'm missing is the traffic. Do you need a financial strategy for retirement? Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3355. That's 412-515-3355. Investment advisory services offered through Accurate Solutions Group, Inc. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. I'm Robin Truszynski from the Original Mattress Factory. If you're considering paying retail price for a new mattress, this is your wake-up call. Why is there suddenly a mattress store on every corner? Well, just Google mattress markups. Original Mattress is a private label mattress brand sold directly to the public. We own the factory and the store. Why? Let's just say excessive markups don't fit our values. Just say no to the middleman. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com when wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. It's safe to say that the issue of security in our church or business across this country has become a top priority. Well, Word FM is presenting the Safety and Security Conference. John Zakoyan is with us again April 17th. John will guide us through safety and security. April 17th at the Hillside Christian Community Church in Carnegie. Details about this event at wordfm.com. John is with us live in studio. John, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for the invitation, John. Thank you. So, uh, it's um, a sad irony that we're talking in the wake of another shooting this morning at a high school in Maryland. Um, so when you hear about this, you know, we only have the skeleton story at this point. Um, we're not sure yet if the um, if the round that was fired by uh, the armed school resource officer at Great Mills High School is the one that struck and killed the shooter. Um, but we do know that he that the school uh, armed school resource officer was there, that he engaged the shooter and uh, clearly had something to do with the resolution of the event today. So what are your thoughts on that, John? Uh, well, uh, New York City Police Department did a study of 44 years of active shooters uh, in 22 English-speaking countries, and the statistics bear out that 
uh, 86% of these active shooter incidents end violently. Uh, 40% uh, ends with the shooter committing suicide, and 46% end with applied force being necessary to stop the threat. Uh, the surprising statistic is that only 1% attempt to flee. So people that engage in these activities are not there to escape or get away. Right. Which is surprising because the Parkland shooting, that that young man, he ran away. He, he is part of that 1%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, John, um, obviously this news today sort of dovetails on the Parkland conversation. Since that tragedy happened, there's been a lot of conversation about arming teachers, having personnel in school that should be armed. Now, this wasn't a teacher, this this resource officer. This was a, a, a police officer working yeah, in the also, school district. Yeah, and who also is a SWAT team member. Right. So th- there's something powerful to be said about this. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, this is still America. People have a right to choose whether they want to carry firearms or not. Uh, however, it may take an armed individual to stop a threat uh, in a school or other commercial workplace. Uh, part of the safety and security conference is, one, to determine the vulnerabilities of our churches, uh, schools, and other locations, uh, and then to develop some type of action plan, a response plan, uh, one, in how to prevent, uh, how to prepare, how to respond, and and then how to recover from a incident of violence. Yes. Now, John, I'm sure, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and you're a, a special uh, knowledge of all of this whole thing, how it works. But there are many churches that have members of the congregation who specifically are there for safety and security. But I'm sure on the flip side, there are also many other churches, probably smaller churches, who don't have anyone who's armed there. Um, here it is, 21st century America. I think... Uh, I, I can only speak for myself. When I'm at worship on Sunday, I think about this. I think, will this happen? When is this going to happen? Through the Safety and Security Conference, there's resources that are available that you'll talk about, whether your church is armed or not. Yeah, uh, Exactly. Uh, whether you're an usher or greeter, there are certain responsibilities that you'll have beyond worship and being part of the service. And that is being attentive to everybody that comes into the building, uh, being aware of their physical demeanor. Uh, maybe inappropriate clothing for the weather uh, to determine if they may be a risk uh, in the church or the rest of the congregation. Uh, They can participate in worship and other means in the church. However, their job will be the security of the building as well as greeting and ushering uh, for the church. John, what do you say to people who say, really, do we need every part of society cloaked in guns? I mean, wouldn't we be all better without guns? What's your response? Well, I I think we all have to be situationally aware of the environment that we're in, Uh, whether we're at the mall or church or uh, grocery store. uh, We have to be aware of our surroundings and environment instead of being on social media Mm -hmm. or tied up or distracted. Uh, with some other distraction. Uh, example, before you go into the bank, uh, look and see who's in the parking lot, see who's at the teller line before sure. you walk in the door. Uh, no matter where you go, just be aware of your environment. Uh, when you're going to park your car, are you going to park in a well-lit area or in a dark area? And just being aware of your, more aware of your environment and situation. And so you're saying aware. that doesn't require a gun. That just requires you being aware of, what's, of your surroundings and what's going on. Exactly. Your brain is your most powerful resource. Mm-hmm. 
What's interesting, interesting to me is when you go into a larger church, oftentimes you'll see, you know, teams of ushers, people greeting at the door. Clearly, these larger churches have a plan in place. They've thought this through. Exactly. And I think it's important to know the characteristics of the observable behaviors of people that may be ready to commit a violent act, know what the escalators are, and know what the de-escalators are. And surprisingly enough, the number one de-escalator is a positive personal relationship with another individual. Up front. Exactly. So even before somebody walks into the church, there's parking attendants or whomever, that may be something that would diffuse someone's Is that right? Okay. So, is exactly. That right? Okay. Uh, the churches and buildings and businesses should harden the target. That's the purpose of a risk and vulnerability assessment, to learn how to harden the target and engage people socially and interact with them to determine if they're fitting the risk mm, categories okay. of observable, observable behaviors, not profile, but observable behaviors. Mm. So these are the things, John, that you're you're talking about, the escalators and the de-escalators. Are those the terms that you use? Exactly. Okay. Uh, escalation usually takes about a two-week time period where there's an initial grievance. Uh, then there's a the threat idea comes into their mind. Then there's preparation, uh, testing the plan, uh, probing breaches, and then the final act. Uh, and the de-escalators, if we're observant of the escalators, we, we may know how to de-escalate it once we find that individual. We're talking to John Sequoia, president of Command Excellence and Action Training. He is doing a seminar at Hillside Christian Community Church in Carnegie, PA, April 17th, 8.30 to 3 o'clock. And uh, this is sponsored by Word FM. And so these are the kinds of things that you're going to be talking about at the seminar, John. Exactly. And how to uh, perform a lockdown, a lockout, a controlled evacuation Uh, We're going to do practical things that people may need to do in the case of emergency. And we're not going to just address an active shooter. Uh, There are natural and man-caused disasters that uh, I like to think to prepare people for, whether it's like the weather today, a weather event, uh, a hazardous material incident, uh, an improvised explosive device, uh, similar to what we see in the five uh, improvised explosive device devices detonated in Texas uh, mm-hmm. over the last few weeks, and, of course, the active shooter incident. I see. So, John, then you're saying that like there would be elders or a team of greeters or a worship team, there also should be in your church, planned well, a security team that there's a plan in place. Exactly. Yes, sir. So uh, then anyone can come to this. I'm sure people are listening right now and they hear, well, my church should be involved in this. I mean, this is not necessarily for, you know, someone who's in you know, 27 years old and, and, you know, working out at the gym, but anybody can participate. Yes, sir. Because it's about awareness, you're saying. That's the that's our number one weapon? Being situationally aware and knowing what the risk factors may be, uh, first hardening the target, having an emergency action plan should something happen, mm-hmm. uh, one in prevention, preparation, and then knowing how to respond when the incident develops. I see. Mm-hmm. What about the the relationship between local churches and law enforcement? How does that work? I mean, is do you counsel that there should be you know some communication that the uh, maybe an officer on duty that morning somewhere in the neighborhood or the area where the church is worshiping they should know each other, pastors and police officers as well. I encourage that with every one of my clients to invite the local police chief uh, to their training session, and we will do what's called tabletop exercises of natural and man-caused disasters, Uh, and this way the church or elders could see what the initial police response would be 
uh, to the four categories mm-hmm. of disasters and uh, be able to assist in the reconciliation, uh, um, reunification of the individuals involved and also recover from the incident. I see. John Sequoyan is with us, president of Command Excellence in Action Training. We're talking about a Word FM-sponsored event coming up at Hillside Christian Community Church in Carnegie, PA. That's April 17th, 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. And, John, I'm guessing that the sad reality is that most churches won't address this until a disaster happens at their church. Unfortunately, that may be the case. But there have been several churches contact me before this radio show uh, in learning how to develop an emergency action plan. The other is a communication system, an internal communication system that people throughout the building will know that there is an incident. Uh, Example, your radio station here is a multi-floor complex. If something happened on the first floor, you would have no idea here. Uh, Part of my company helps people develop an internal communication system so that everybody in the building is notified in real time that there is an incident on the first floor knowing either to evacuate uh, or to barricade themselves in the building. The other part of the communication is to know that everybody's safe uh, when the incident is over to account for everybody for reunification with their families. I see. So, John, the security conference itself takes about how long? The conference itself? Yes. Uh, Is it two hours, three hours? No, I'm not sure exactly what Salem Media set up. 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Okay, so it's going to be a six-hour conference. Okay. So certainly six hours. That's a lot of uh, conversation. There's a lot packed into six hours. There is. Holy smokes. Now, if a church wants to contact you directly and have you do an individual assessment, are you willing to do that? Is that something that you uh, absolutely. do? Absolutely. Okay. My, my website is commandexcellence.com, uh, commandexcellence.com. They could uh, get my personal information, contact me by phone or email, uh, and they're welcome to do that. And I will do an assessment, uh, help them develop emergency action guidelines, uh, help them develop tabletop exercises and natural and man-caused disasters and how to perform lockdowns, lockouts. Okay, and, one uh, more question for you. What about if people are listening and they're saying, look, I mean, I-, I would like for someone to help me be prepared, but I'm not willing to, to arm people at my church. Would you still come and assess the situation? Uh, absolutely. They have the freedom to choose what they would want to do to protect themselves. For sure. Well, John um – we wish that your services weren't necessary, but here we are we're glad, in a different we're, world. We're grateful that you do what you do. We well, really thank are. you for the invitation. Our pleasure, John. John Sikoyan, the Word FM Safety and Security Conference, April 17th, from 830 until 3 o'clock, Hillside Christian Community Church in Carnegie. For the full details and to register, wordfm.com. mom or dad of a child who struggles, you've searched high and low trying everything you can. From tutors to counselors, specialists to pills, you've tried them all with little success. You need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours. Brain Balance Achievement Centers can make a real difference for your child. Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. 
If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at brainbalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today. There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs at unbound.org. Veterans, this is retired Army Colonel Greg Gatson. In life after the military, it's our duty as veterans to have each other's back. If you recently filed a VA disability or pension claim and have been asked to go to a VA claim exam, I want to make sure you know what to expect. Go to VA.gov and search compensation and pension exam to get the information you need for the benefits you've earned. Your VA claim exam. Know what's next. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. The one problem I have with my minivan is the automatic closing doors. Word FM presents Ladies Night Out with comedian Amy Barnes. Because they make it really hard to express your anger to your children. 7 p.m. May 11th, Mother's Day weekend at Impact Christian Church. Because sometimes you just need to slam something on them so they know how you feel. And with my van, it's like... Uh... A night of laughing, shopping, and dining. Doors open at 5 p.m. Get tickets at wordfm.com. Snow tonight into tomorrow morning will accumulate 3 to 6 inches in and around the city with as much as 6 to 10 inches east towards the Laurels. Untreated roads will be snow-covered and slippery, going down to 29. Tomorrow afternoon, lingering clouds with a high of 37, going down to 21 tomorrow night. Thursday, partial sunshine, highs right around 40 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. No, seriously, we just had a great conversation. I mean, no, it's hard it's to keep up. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the new Mike says. <laughs> okay, Mike, why don't you reiterate your statement to So John Mike says, well, let's, let's recreate the conversation. Okay. If it's worth it. <laughs> say, no, it's worth Say, hey, John. Yeah, I can't hear you. Now I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can, I can yeah, hear yeah. you. Speak up a little. Check, check. One, okay. two. Is this on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This this kind of reminds me of our conversation right now. No, but you're really low. You're, you're really low on the air. It's fine. Okay, all right, fine. Okay, so tell me. So what were you saying to John when we were off the air, Mike? I said, John, make sure you put that picture of John, uh, of you. John Sequoia. Just you, our last yeah. guest. Yes, up on Instagram. He said. No, wait, wait. John, what did you say? I, I don't have that app. I, I, I used that app one time, and then, <laughs> then I deleted it. And Mike said. I said, well. I'm going to have to put her on Instagram. Well, somebody somebody has to put her on Instagram. I thought you've been posting pictures lately oh, on Instagram. Oh, right. I, yeah, I have that app. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought you meant Snapchat. <laughs> I did. I mean, it's, it's oh hard to keep God. up. Someone's posting like a photograph a day for the job for the ride on with Johnny Kathy. So on is Instagram? this like a fan? It's That's you. That's me. That's me. Well, yeah. You're the one that just said you didn't have the app. I thought it was. I thought you were, no, I do. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I don't have the app. <laughs> I do. Oh, yeah, I do have the app. I'm taking care of it. 
It's my account. It's my job. side of the yeah. Okay. All right, for sure. I'll take care. Good. Yeah. You going. wanna see John you wanna see John Sikoyan on uh, Instagram? I got it. Yeah, okay, okay. good. We're gonna post right. that in just right, a good. minute. All the information about John I'll good. put up on our Facebook page, the ride home with John and Kathy. Right. I think right. that was confusing. How about American Idol? Yeah, okay. They're so they're in a bad, bad place at this point. So they have spent tons and tons of money revamping American Idol, mm-hmm. right? They took it from Fox, yep. put it on ABC. Yep. But just last night, they got clobbered by NBC's The Voice. Have you watched? No, I've never seen American Idol. Never, ever. Never, never. I, watched, I told you I watched a few minutes of it. Last night? No, uh, the, the first night. Oh, no, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I watched it because, um, I don't know, I was just flipping through and all of a sudden I saw Lionel Richie. I haven't seen Lionel Richie in a long time. Right. Was, so there he, was, was he singing, hello? Hello? Again. Yeah. Uh, hello. No, he's not. Uh, I'm not a Lionel Richie fan. Okay. I mean, I think he seems like a, a decent fellow, but as far as his music, <laughs> yeah. kind of meh. Okay. You know, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, though, right? Oh yeah, but he's not. He's not affiliated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, lo- I, I, I like the Commodores a lot more than I like Lionel Richie. Yeah, the Commodores. He kind of messed up the Commodores. No, he didn't mess up the he Commodores. Softened them. No, he didn't soften yeah, them. He, he went. Did. He went out. He had. A, he had a, 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 a solo uh, project mm. that he was working on that lasted about twenty five years. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I watched Lionel Richie he and up the Luke, Luke Bryant, right? And Katy Perry, Katie who doesn't Perry. look. She doesn't look anything like I thought. Katy. If if Katy Perry walked in here to the Word FM studios, I would not know who she was. No, she she looks was. different every time I see her. Somebody else. That's what it is to be a pop star. Anyway, so disastrous ratings um, appear to be the result of a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, ABC is hiding Ryan Seacrest. So Ryan Seacrest, who was like everybody's best, really true? everybody's best friend, right? But lately he's been battered by allegations of sexual misconduct. Hiding? So he has not been around. Okay, so that, that's the first problem. Okay, but then there's the problem with Katy Perry. Now we talked last week about the the. Poor young guy who came on to audition for American Idol and he'd never been kissed. Remember the story? Yes. He'd never been kissed. I don't know how that even came up. And she said, you've never been kissed? And he said, no, I only want to kiss somebody when I'm in a relationship with them. I'm saving it. Right. I'm saving it. And she said, well, no, no, come over here. And she came over there and and she made like she was going to kiss him. And he says, how about just on the cheek? Mm-hmm. And so he went to kiss her on the cheek and she moved her face and kissed him on the lips. Right. And which, so then, it, which I don't think she meant anything by, but still it's ignorant. And it's, she thought it was you know, funny. And it was it's just not a joke. And, so, and, then funny. He, and then later on he responded and said, oh, I felt really bad about that. But then I realized it really wasn't a real kiss. So it really didn't hurt me. Right. And he wasn't mad and he no, was he didn't no. make a big deal of it. But it was still tasteless. Mm. It made it seem like I'm smarter and wiser and let me help you along in your poor innocent stupidity that's what it seemed like to me anyway but now in addition to that she's involved in this legal battle katie perry with some elderly nuns now Now, any legal battle you're in with elderly nuns you don't want to be in you don't want to be in no right okay so um there's a convent that the, uh, the diocese has put up for sale but in california in california which as you might imagine some thirty over thirty million dollars. Okay, now Katy Perry wants to buy it, and she wants to convert the bill the 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 uh, to tear it down. Right, to tear it down, and then to convert the land into a luxury estate. Right. So apparently, the diocese where this is all happening in California, okay, this years ago, and the clock has been ticking down. Then the property, of course, was put on the market. It was approached by Katy Perry's people. She, of course, she has the resources and the means to buy this. But then the nuns themselves, who are being moved out of the convent, they appealed to Katy Perry publicly. 
And now Katy Perry is, you know, she hasn't responded, but now Katy Perry has the black. I'm not trying to defend Katy Perry, but now she, all of a sudden it looks like she's the heartless wrench who is saying, you know, no, no to the nuns. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't care about you. I'm cold and heartless. Okay. Yeah. I, and I agree. From everything I know, she should not, you know, she's not to be blamed, so to speak. However, when the 89 year old nun, uh, collapsed in court after begging, quote, Katy Perry, please stop, and then died. I feel like that would have been a good time to maybe back up and say there's a lot of property in the world. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to buy this. A second nun who's only 80 years old says that the uh, conversation with Katy Perry has left her broke. I don't know what that means. I, I mean, you know how it is. Say in the in the world of public opinion, it's a public relations disaster. It's a nightmare. Right. So it'd be a good time to just back up and say, let's find some. I property. don't know. I don't know. So well, you're saying it's not her fault because she was just trying to buy a piece of property. Well, I'm not saying it's. I'm, I'm saying from what I've read, it this is this feels like it's not. You know, really, she's the driving force going. Although she may be. Who knows? I, I can't read into. You know, she might be sitting in a back room somewhere telling her lawyers, "You get on this property, and I'm taking it from the nuns, and I don't even care." You know, that may be the case. It's just more spin and more minutia, more celebrity gossip. Why are we talking about this? Okay, but so that's a problem. The Ryan Seacrest thing is a problem. The biggest problem is that American Idol drew only seven and a half million viewers last night while The Voice picked up 10.7, almost 11, to win the night in a landslide. And perhaps the bigger thing, Idol was down 11% from last week. Mm-hmm. So it's not good. So I don't know if it'll blow up. I don't know if it lasts. The, I mean, you can't you can't cancel it for before it's over before no. the contest is over. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. If they're losing money left and right. They might just go. We have no you know skin in this game other than the money we've already lost. Quite honestly, I don't watch stuff like that because it makes me anxious. Oh, of course it right? does. Right? Like I feel they walk into the room yes. and all of their hopes and dreams are on 60 seconds right. of singing you a know, song and then they're rejected. Now, you didn't watch The Voice. No. So I've never seen American Idol, but I did watch two or three seasons of The Voice and then I got tired of it because I thought, you know, how much how much can I really devote to this yeah, in my yeah, life? Yeah. But one thing I thought was interesting, after uh, the, the Greatest Showman was such a huge hit in movie theaters this season, yeah. uh Lauren Allred, who grew up in Pittsburgh, is one of the main voices on the soundtrack. Gorgeous voice. Right. She voices the, um, you know, the the kind of the, what would you call it? The power ballad of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lauren Allred was a con- contestant on The Voice. And I thought even at that time, um, and by the way, Lauren's mom was my voice teacher. Really? Carol Ann. Yeah, Lauren was like a little very kid. Nice, very anyway, nice. Anyway. Um, Caroline is a wonderful operatic soprano. Her daughter has just a spectacular, spectacular oh, nice. voice, very different than her mom, yep. and showcased so beautifully in The Greatest Showman. And she was on The Voice, and I thought that she got booted way early, way, way, way early. What happened? But uh, they, it was just one of those, you know, this her versus somebody else, and they oh, picked somebody else, and okay. she got booted. Sure. But it, because she has risen to prominence because of The Greatest Showman, I read an article, uh, an interview with her, and she said that she had already signed a record contract – 
And people from The Voice came looking to that record label and said, hey, do you have any undiscovered talent? And that's how they got auditions in The Voice. So The Voice makes you think that, like, I'm going to go down and audition for it and I'm, I might get in. But really, The Voice is looking for the really great voices in America who are already established. Oh. They're just low-level, ones that you've never heard of. And those are the ones. I feel better about that. Those are the, are the ones who are ending up on the show. That's good. So here's the thing. Not somebody I, waiting in line. Right. So I think that probably the overall talent pool in the voice is higher because of how they're looking for their contestants and American Idol probably not as much. Now what's ironic about that is the people who've won American Idol are way more successful than anyone who's ever won the voice. Why is that? I I have no idea. I have no, I've always wondered that. So now again, this is, you know, we're talking from an outsider. I mean, look, it's Carrie, look at Carrie Underwood. Yeah. One, I mean, she's a gigantic star. Right. Um, Gretchen, what's her name? One is a gigantic star. Um, the new, the woman who's who's the new host of The Voice. She won American Idol. Kelly Clarkson. Oh, okay. Well, this whenever I hear those voices, that's a particular style of music generally that I'm not interested in. Oh, you mean on The Voice? Yeah. And I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. What, uh, is it just a genre? Reference thing? Yeah. I mean, I think the reason people watch The Voice is because Blake Shelton is very funny. Mm-hmm. And the Blake Shelton, uh, Adam, what's his name? Adam Levine. Adam Levine thing. That's a good combination. Is a good combination. Okay. And whoever's in the middle changes really changes all the time. But as long as those two guys there are there, people are watching all the time. All right. So is The Voice still on? Yeah. It is. Oh, yeah. It's, in fact, last night it, it crushed American Idol. See, I'm not watching. Are you watching, Mike? A little. Do you watch The Voice or American Idol? Uh, the voice. Yeah. I'd rather that watch okay. that. All right. Well, let's take a break. Okay. We're going to come voice. back and talk about a pastor and a photographer. They can actually happen with the same person. <gasps> W-O-R-D. Okay. Everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yeah. Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show. It's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey, tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. These are the beautiful voices of children in Haiti. They're the fortunate ones. They get to go to school. For most kids, there is no singing because life is desperately hard. Most kids don't have enough food to eat. They drink unclean water. They live in homes that are not fit for human beings, and they'll never get to attend school. But with your help, we're trying to change that sad reality. All this month, we've been asking you to help us provide food for a year and water for life for more than 900 kids. Now, many have been helped, but we're coming into the final days of our campaign, and there are still more than 300 kids on our list. So I'm asking you, if you haven't given yet, would you give now? $50 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. So how many kids can you save right now? And right now, every gift is being doubled thanks to a generous matching donor. 855-828-HOPE. 855-828-4673. 855-828-4673. Or give online by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. 
First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com. Crisis. It impacts everyone. It's personal. Crisis is inevitable. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before. How will you respond to those who are hurting? The Billy Graham Rapid Response Team invites you to a Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar. This one-day event's being held in Swickley at Christ Church at Grove Farm on Saturday, April 14th. It's sponsored by Project Pray Pittsburgh. You can find more information at billygram.org slash RRT. That's billygram.org slash RRT. One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals, seeking a skilled labor position, or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM discount shopping club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, get twice the fun for half the price at Fun for All Family Fun Park in Cranberry. Get a $100 value for $50 or $50 value for $25. And enjoy the best family fun rides, games, and attractions, including the new XD Dark Ride. It's all for fun at Fun for All. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. Hey, welcome back. Dr. Craig Goodwin is with us. He's a pastor at Millwood Presbyterian Church in Spokane, Washington. Also a professional photographer. He's the author of Year of Plenty, One Suburban Family, Four Rules, and 365 Days of Homegrown Adventure in Pursuit of Christian Living. And Craig, welcome back to the show. It's been a long time. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. It's been a couple of years, huh? Yeah, Greg, we're so happy to hear from you. And, you know, I don't mean to be creepy, but John and I do follow you on Facebook. Um, so <laughs> you might not know what we're doing, but we're pretty aware of what you're doing. Sure. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, and, and so for our listeners who, who don't know who you are, um, you're a pastor, but you're also a part-time photographer. And when I say a part-time photographer, I don't mean, you know, you snap a couple photos on your iPhone and send them out to, you know, John and me every three <laughs> no. months. Right, no. this, this is... This is a, you're an artist. Uh, yeah, this is you're an artist, and this is a, a living that you pursue. Yeah, it's a it's become sort of a part time business alongside my full time life as a pastor. Um, yeah, and maybe even more than that, just a creative pursuit that I just love and and love pursuing. Well, you know, it's radio, so of course we're not going to do you any justice at all, but we'll post some photographs Listen and to me. have a link. I just, you know, Craig, again, this might sound creepy, and I hope this is a compliment to you, and you don't go, you know, running <laughs> off the air and, and look for your own personal security firm. But, I'm, um, I'm going to block you on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. No, but I've done that twice. seriously, every three months or so, um, we have this thing in our family where in the evening, if someone has seen something interesting online, we ask our daughters to share that with us. Um, yeah. So whether, you know, it's a YouTube clip or it's, you know, an interesting article, whatever it is. Anyway, um, we have gone through your portfolio every three months yeah. for years. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so cool. Especially because your stuff looks awesome on our sure new does. TV. Okay. It just looks great. Um, yeah, some, someone just told me that they had their Apple TV synced up to my Flickr page. Wow. Right. So they're, they were kind of the same thing. Same thing, right. We're always seeing your new pictures. Yeah. yeah. So, so we I can't have, describe it. No, we can't describe justice. it. But you, but, and it's interesting that you've never had formal training in photography. No, I just, uh, it's something that I picked up actually out of our 
year of plenty experience, I bought a camera to go to Thailand and it just, I caught the bug and kept finding new things that I wanted to learn to take pictures of. And um, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer and with non-Hodgkin lymphoma and kind of at the low point of uh, being treated for that with chemo and radiation, I set a goal of doing a couple of art shows. And so that next year I did a couple of art shows and, and the business sort of grew up out of that, that side of it, doing art shows and selling my pictures. And um, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. Outstanding. So uh, in reading about you, Craig, um, what I took, this is so true for a lot of people, that when you bought your first digital camera, you just put the camera on auto setting, right? And it's kind of yeah, like, like an auto phone. But then you trained yourself. You learned enough about the art of photography mm-hmm. to tell the camera. You know, you sort of made yourself supersede any automatic settings there was a, that's where the artistry is isn't it yeah i think i mean there there uh, um, is a there's a lot of technical aspects to it but i think one of the keys is just finding things that you are really interested in capturing and and setting out i'm going to figure out how to take picture of this mm-hmm. like for me at first it was wildflowers and so i i got a lens that was good for wildflowers and i learned the techniques of what shutter speed was needed to keep the keep it uh, from moving around in the image and those uh, those sorts of things. And so I, my experience has been that uh, that the artistry um, and the technical stuff it will follow the passion of whatever that is that that you find interesting. And and what happened for me is that I kept on finding new things that were interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that this uh, like so many artistic pursuits it it can become absorbing and, and just sort of suck you into it, uh, which is part of the joy of it, too. Now, you also have to have a little bit of a technical bent to be a good photographer because there's, a, you know, there's, there's math at play and there's give and take, and you have, to, yeah. you have to make concessions and you have to understand why. Right. I think um, the biggest step I took was learning to do manual settings on the, the camera. Like John said, instead of uh, the camera telling me what it thinks I want to do, learning for me to have complete control over it and tell the camera what I want it to do. But um, I, uh, what I tell people is not to be too intimidated by that because basically there are only three variables um, that you're dealing with when it comes to the camera. It's the, um, the shutter speed, the aperture, and the light sensitivity of the sensor. It's just three things, and you're essentially adjusting those three things as you go. So it, it can be intimidating, but it's really not that complicated once you dig into it. Outstanding. So one of the things that, that I think is really key to a lot of photographers, they, they always talk about timing. Timing is everything. So your photographs, yeah. I mean, when I my favorite photographs of yours is when you turn the camera upwards and you, you look at the heavens. Oh, the stars. Oh, yeah, my yeah. goodness gracious. I mean, that unto itself is beautiful. I envision you, yeah. you know, somewhere in a field far from the natural lights and all that That's sort of right, light pollution yeah. and just yeah. waiting. And then that doesn't happen in, you know, one five hundredth of a second. That takes hours. Yeah, like this last uh, Friday night, I went out to a, a local lake here called Priest Lake, and um, I got out there, and the stars weren't quite where I wanted them to be, and so I got my gear all set up, and there were some guys that had a, a fire going, and so I went and hung out with them for about an hour, and then I went back and um, ended up staying up all night um, out with the stars, which is just an amazing experience. We don't get to uh, see the stars hardly at all. Uh, for those of us that live in the city. So I, I love the experience, and I, I love sharing it with others. 
You know, when I, I was telling my family you were going to be on uh, the air with us today, and my, my younger daughter, who just turned 16, said, oh, is he the guy that takes the pictures of the sunflowers and the owls? <laughs> I yes. thought that was funny. So that's what you're famous yeah. for, in her mind, <laughs> the sunflowers well, and the so, owls. That's so fun that I have a place in your family. That, that that's warms we, my heart. Well, we that. will actually have you for dinner sometime, Craig. So that'd be good. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, so talk about how your two vocations work together. So you are still full-time pastoring? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then how does your photography add into that, or how do, how do those two work together? Yeah, I mean, it, it, tends to, um, it tends to take up a lot of my off days and my free time. I'm always, um, like this last weekend, I was like, okay, Friday night the skies were going to be clear, and so I finished up my work and then um, headed out and took pictures and, uh, and then spent most of the day Saturday recovering from being, <laughs> being awake all night. And then I was up in the pulpit on on Sunday preaching. So it's sort of a uh, taking that that time that I have and um, um, finding finding things that that are interesting and take pictures of. Yes. So it's just it's sort of this rhythm that I've developed, and it's kind of forced me to pay attention to the local area that I'm a part of, mm. uh, which I I really like that sense of being anchored in a place. I think a lot of times we think I need to go off to the the exotic place. And that's where the really good pictures are taken, or that's where the really interesting stuff is. But what I've found, kind of being anchored in this place, has forced me really to pay attention closely to where I live and where I work and, hmm. and the community that I'm a part of. And so I think a lot of my best pictures and a lot of my best artistic instincts come from that sense of being anchored in a place. It's a, yeah, that's good. It's almost like a spiritual discipline. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. I, I remember reading years ago, that I don't know where this was, but someone said, you know, if you were really turning your camera inwards, you would spend a, a lifetime if you would photograph everything within a square mile of where you live yeah. because there's so much that's around. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. A, a wise photographer once told me um, – I wanted his advice on what to take pictures of. And he said, well, you know, whatever you want, uh, but the key is to pay attention and, and things get interesting when we pay attention. And I, mm. I love that. Uh, it's not that things are, are interesting or not. It's that we start to discover the interesting things and we realize, wow, you know, we may think where we live is boring, but then when we, when we start kind of digging under the surface, we, we see, and find really magical things mm. all around That's us. Good. You know, um, Kath and I, and I think this is probably true of most people, that, you know, we decry the digital age, right? That we, we spend all this oh, time looking yeah. at our phone, but you've taken yeah. the technology, this new technology, and you've made it look outward. You know, you've discovered beauty where most people are just kind of internal and they miss all the beauty. Yeah, I mean, the um, things like Facebook and um, all these other Instagram sharing means, they, they are so wonderful um, you know, it's like puts me right in Kathy's living room <laughs> regularly, which how would that ever happen? Yeah. Uh, but it can, it can. So, uh, it, it can become, we get trapped in that. We're always, we're always looking at what other people are doing or what other people are taking pictures of. And, and honestly, as a photographer, it can be, uh, a little bit discouraging sometimes, you know, it's just like if, if you follow a bunch of great photographers on Instagram and you look at your feed it's just like you're overwhelmed oh, it's with all right. these amazing pictures, right. and you you just feel so uh, inferior uh, after all that. So it's really, I found that it's really important to kind of tune that out and not be so obsessed with what other people are doing artistically or photographically, but really trying to find my own voice and and uh, 
appreciate what others are doing, but not let that necessarily shape um, my my vocation as a photographer. Dr. Craig Goodman is with us, pastor at Millwood Presbyterian Church in Spokane, Washington, and also a professional photographer. Craig, I want to ask you about one photo in particular, and I know it's difficult since uh, since our listening audience can't see this, though I will post a yeah. link to your page on our page, The Ride Home with Johnny Kathy. But there's a picture you took. I believe it's your wife in it, um, and uh-huh. it's it's the Northern Lights. You guys are camping? Oh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That, is that your wife? That was me. I, that was me in the picture, actually. Oh, it's you. Okay. Yeah, I just set my camera up to keep taking pictures and sat down. Okay, this is what I love about this shot. I mean, first off, there are are unbelievably cool pictures of of the Northern Lights. I love the idea that someone is in it looking at the Northern Lights. I think that's what makes this photograph special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the, uh, I mean, that one overtly puts me in it. I think a successful photograph um, in one way or another it allows people to put themselves in it or imagine um, themselves in it um, and, and invite you to kind of want to come hang out in whatever that, that space, space is, is that created yeah. by the image. One of the, you know, that shot, the amazing thing. So there's this spectacular display of the Northern Lights. There were probably over 300 people staying at Hills Resort, which is right there. Um, and I was the only one on the beach. It was like what? 2 a.m. And it was the, it was the most, I mean, it was the middle of the night, so yeah. everyone was tired. If you look at the picture, you can see all the footsteps in the sand yeah. from all the activity from the previous day. But I, um, one thing, one of the things I'm reminded of in that picture is, wow, you know, this was like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And there were all these people that, that missed out missed on it. it. And, it, 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 you know, it's a reminder to me of, wow, how much is going on that, yeah, that we're missing out on. Well, Craig, thanks an mm-hmm. awful lot. We, you know, Countess as fans, we just love your work, and we just always appreciate the, the nature that you bring to us. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for following me. I, I won't block you on Facebook, I promise. <laughs> you, can, you can follow and lurk as much as, much as you like. Very good. All right, I'll, look forward to, uh, I'll look forward to talking to you later. Great. Thanks, thanks, so much. thanks Craig. Dr. Craig Goodwin, pastor at Millwood Presbyterian Church in Spokane. He's also a professional photographer and It'll an author. Kn- these images will knock you out. They really will. Can you post a, a yes. link here? Okay, yes. good. Because you've got to see these. We just can't describe them properly. We'll take a quick break. Come back. There's lots more ahead. Hey, N.T. Wright will join us during the 5 o'clock hour. Do not miss this. Fascinating. For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com. Dentistry isn't what it used to be. It's really come a long way. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. The pain management techniques, the comfort that we can offer now really make it a much more pleasant experience. We have a great team. They really help to put a patient at ease. Dentistry, in my 
opinion shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Hello, friends. Christ Church at Grove Farm invites you to join us for a special service on Good Friday, March 30th. Beginning at 6 p.m., we will embark on a service commemorating Christ's death on the cross through special music, hymns, and pastoral reflections on the seven last words of Christ. We hope you will join Christ Church for this unique telling of the gospel on Good Friday as we prepare to celebrate His resurrection on Easter Sunday. For more details on this and all of our services, please check out our website, ccgf.org. That's ccgf.org. So Craig Goodwin, I mean, just really fabulous. There are certain people, you know, like when you hold a camera in your hand, you think, Whatever that person sees through the lens, I don't see. And how does that how does that work? I've taken photographs my whole life. I don't I don't I record what I'm doing. I don't record beautiful things in the world. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't I maybe that I don't I don't I don't have the eye for that. His and there are tons of wonderful photographers in the world, and you can follow any of them. You know, every time the National Geographic Best of list comes out, you and I always look yep. at it. You know, best photographs of we'll just the year. Look, and when you look at Instagram, right? Those, so, which right. I know what that is. When or, you look at Instagram, if you follow Tentry on uh, Instagram, oh no, it's just something else. Out, it will knock you out. But what's Tentry? Oh, yeah. Well, if you don't, you you need to follow that really? on Instagram. Okay, right. But for some, I don't know what it is. It's a personal thing. Craig Goodwin's photos <laughs> to me are beautiful. They sure are. No, I, it's just... I, it's I, the highest form of art. It I really can't, is. Anyway, please, would you look at Craig Goodwin's photography mm-hmm. page? I'm going to post it on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Treat yourself. Appreciate Treat the yourself. beauty. <laughs> Treat yourself. Okay. The beauty of God's creation. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. The chairman of the U.S. House Homeland Security Committee says he thinks the latest package explosion in Texas will lead to more evidence, hopefully fingerprints and surveillance photos. This from Congressman Michael McCall, a Republican from Texas who was at the White House. So far, four explosive devices in and around Austin have killed two and injured several others. The sheriff says a 16-year-old girl is in critical condition, that is, with life-threatening injuries after a shooting at a high school in southern Maryland this morning. St. Mary's County Tim Cameron says a 14-year-old boy also hurt in the shooting. The shooter who died after being confronted by a school resource officer has been identified as a 17-year-old boy. And the board of Cambridge Analytica says it has suspended CEO Alexander Nix pending a full independent investigation of his actions. The board cited comments Nix made to an undercover reporter and other allegations of wrongdoing for its action on Tuesday. You're listening to SRN News. Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slowly smoke these old-fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half, and we'll send along cooking and 
instructions, too. Mmm, how about Springhouse scalloped potatoes and homemade applesauce to go with that ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, and you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them, too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at springhousemarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84 Pennsylvania. Having debt does put stress on a marriage, on your health. It just starts mounting up, especially with the interest. It just goes up. So I could definitely see there was stress in Lindsay, and that would spill over into our relationship and and how we related to each other. Ben and Lindsay called nonprofit Christian credit counselors to stop the creditor calls, lower their interest rate, and get one monthly payment they could afford. The situation's definitely improved, and it's such a difference to not borrow to get things and you actually save to get them. It's a liberating feeling. At Christian Credit Counselors, your freedom from debt is their number one priority. On average, their clients become debt-free up to 80% faster. It's definitely freedom. See how much Christian Credit Counselors can save you. Call a personal credit counselor for your free no-obligation debt analysis. Call 800-557-1985. Your journey to financial freedom begins now. Call 800-557-1985 or visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Call 800-557-1985. 1985. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for a day with author, activist, and public theologian Brian McLaren on Wednesday, April 25th. A free workshop, Creating Communities of Spiritual Activism, or If I Were 26, What Kind of Church Would I Plant in 2018, will be held at 10 a.m. In the evening, a free public lecture titled How Our Churches Can Help Heal a Divided America will take place at 7 p.m. Registration required. Learn more at pts.edu. So what did you think? I was really impressed. You were right. Newcastle Christian Academy has a lot to offer. Couldn't you just see Lauren thriving there? Yeah. I really like that uh, Orton Gillingham. A reading specialist. I know. That could really help with her dyslexia. And all of those extracurricular activities. Hey, they have archery. I mean, how cool is that? And band and drama. And scholarships. Newcastle Christian Academy. Preschool through eighth grade. In the heart of Lawrence County at nccaed.org. Snow tonight into tomorrow morning will accumulate 3 to 6 inches in and around the city with as much as 6 to 10 inches east towards the Laurels. Untreated roads will be snow-covered and slippery, going down to 29. Tomorrow afternoon, lingering clouds with a high of 37, going down to 21 tomorrow night. Thursday, partial sunshine, highs right around 40 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Tuesday, March 20th. This hour, our guest, N.T. Wright, is the former Bishop of Durham in the Church of England and one of the world's leading Bible scholars. Our topic today, Paul, a biography. So sit back and try to listen as you navigate a snowy, white-knuckle commute home. Just don't let these two drive. John Hall and Kathy Emmons. That's not right. (laughs) We're fine. No, we're fine in the road. No, listen, he's making an assessment that no. he I don't think he knows about. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. Management's already gone. That's right. He so, didn't management didn't offer to drive us home. No, they're not. Or get us an has, Uber. Management has a nicer car than us. 
<laughs> Let's not go there. No, it's true. <laughs> okay, I, d- I just want to say that. Well, they're I mean, management. That's why, you know, they have, of course they have a nicer car. We should be management. Yeah. Well, we missed that boat a long mm. time ago, didn't we? I can only imagine premiered last week. Uh, it was the film based on the uh, giant radio hit of 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's the story behind the song. And uh, wow. Big time. Uh, so the film, I can only imagine, has grossed uh, well beyond the expectations. $17 million. That's their opening take. Yep. Well beyond the expectations, which is, I'm sure, you know, we had uh, Bart Millard on. We had uh, Andy Irwin on, uh, the director of the film. There's got to be a lot of uh, joy in those numbers. Here's the cool thing. So the, we've reached a, a new sort of um, zenith in Christian films mm-hmm. because I think is that this weekend, the film Paul opens nationwide as well, starring Jim Caviezel. Right. So I can only imagine uh, it has nearly cracked the top 20 of all Christian films released since 1980. Right. Now that and includes – Yeah, go ahead. That includes the Mel Gibson, The Passion, Passion of, Christ. of Christ. which is which is number one by – Hundreds gi- of millions. Right. A gi- Hundreds of millions. A gigantic amount. But that's only after I can only imagine has been open for what? Oh, not even a week. Yeah, two weeks. I think it's been – was no. it last Friday? No, it was just last week? Friday, the okay. 16th. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I and mean, so – a lot of the films – did you see God's Not Dead? No. So God's Not Dead 1, 2, and God's Not Dead 3. Which is coming out. I just saw a uh, trailer for that when I was seeing The Greatest Showman yeah. a couple days ago. And also, uh, what's this? Oh, this is in October this year, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, which picks up the Louis Zamperini story. Right, which was our complaint about the movie. Gigantic. Is that since we read the book and loved the Laura Hillenbrand tale, um, which – climaxes with his his conversion to Christ, yeah. you know, maybe three quarters of the way through the book, that was completely ignored in the film that was made about him. But I, part two is on the way. I look forward to that as well. Really much so. Um, I'm excited about Paul, the movie. You, have you seen any of it at all? Have I haven't at trailers? all, but I really, I really enjoyed Jim Caviezel. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Paul, the movie and the book. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about that, the book, a brand new work by N.T. Wright. Um, N.T. Wright, one of the foremost Christian scholars worldwide, will be with us shortly. If you've read the New Testament and you think, oh, well, you know, the character of Paul, I mean, he just he wrote a bunch of letters. Listen, you have no idea what you're missing. Stay tuned. N.T. Wright, next. Robin Trusinski from the original Mattress Factory. Waiting for a mattress sale? This is your wake-up call. Every holiday, an outrageous sale. Every day, a different price. At Original Mattress, we have never had a sale. Why? Typical mattress sales don't fit our values. We can offer affordable luxury at the same fair price every day because we hand-build your original mattress right here. Spend your holiday at home, not in the mattress store. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. Visit OriginalMattress.com. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Obamacare, Trump Care, Affordable Care, Cobra, there are all these choices, but they all bring one word to mind expensive. 
you know, all the changes that are happening in healthcare today and, and which one of us can keep up with all of that. Fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years, and that's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They can help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you to choose the best plan for your needs because there are things that you need and things that you don't need. So if you don't need maternity coverage, then call Todd. Do you have pre-existing conditions that you're concerned that you're concerned about? Well, call Marley. What about if you just want accident coverage or you just want catastrophic coverage? Well, you know the answer. Call Todd because they know how to design the plans and most of their clients save 30 to 60 percent, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. Call Todd. Marley Financial, 724 1496 or find them on the web at marleyfg.com. Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit extremetruck.net. 412-257-1006, extremetruck.net. Seven years old, that's my guess. But I realized recently over this past weekend that I have spent nearly zero time considering him as a person, who he was, uh, what his culture and vocations were like, what his understanding of the story of God was. And that's why this book is so profound to me, fascinating, readable, and I've come to think indispensable in the reading and understanding of the New Testament as a whole. We are very happy and excited to welcome to the Word of Him Airwaves, N.T. Wright. His brand new work is called Paul, a Biography. N.T. Wright is one of the world's leading Bible scholars, is the chair of New Testament and Early Christianity at the School of Divinity at the University of St. Andrews, an Anglican bishop, best-selling author, featured on many news programs, and the list of his uh, b- books that we love and know could go on for many a time. But uh, N.T., Tom, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. Good to be with you guys. So, Tom, let's start with the subject of your uh, your great work here. A Saul of Tarsus, an educated man, uh, a Jew zealous for learning and for practicing, who wrote only about 80 pages of correspondence total 2,000 years ago. But you say that these letters have generated more commentary, writing, I would say even more arguing than any other writing in the ancient world. Why is that? Well, it is truly extraordinary. And, of course, there's a a shortcut answer, which is to say, well, God inspired him to write them. But that really doesn't touch what's going on. Paul lived at the convergence of three great roads of culture, the 
the, the Jewish world, which you've mentioned, but also the Greek world. He, he, he grew up in one of the philosophical centers of the ancient world, Tarsus, and he knew that stuff and he engages with it. But he was also a Roman citizen, and he knew how to play that game as well and knew where the pressure points would come, what it meant to be a loyal Jew and then a loyal follower of the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, um, in the middle of that culture. And so because we today live in multicultural societies, and indeed most of human history, that's been true for many, many places, um, what Paul was figuring out about how to be a follower of Jesus and loyal to all those Jewish traditions while at the same time living in this wider world. Um, the, these themes go on resonating. But obviously there's much more than that, and I think the much more has to do with Paul's profound awareness of Jesus himself. Uh, he talks about knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. It's an odd phrase. Paul has somehow found himself identified with Jesus, so that he finds Jesus speaking and working and suffering in and through him. And I think that's what makes him so extraordinary and so compelling. And he clearly was a compelling figure in his own day. Not everyone liked mm -hmm. him. Not everyone uh, wanted to have him around. But, but he, he was an extraordinary personality. And I think that jumps up at you off the page in a way that even the greatest of Roman writers, even somebody like Cicero or Seneca, who, who we read for pleasure still today, but they don't have the same impact. They don't reach out and say, hey, this is life and death stuff in the way that Paul does. So I think that's what's going on. So N.T., talk about the the education of the man, because clearly he was a, a bright and a strong genius to to delve into what we talk about even to this day. So what about that? What about the education? I mean, clearly there was not a university system, but something ignited the genius that he is. Well, actually, there was a university system, and there had been for some while, but um, the, the, the main thing that Saul of Tarsus as a young man got was the Jewish scriptures, the, the, what we what Christians call the Old Testament. He absolutely knew them up and down and back and front and uh, could quote them, could work from them, not just as proof texts either, but the, he, he perceived the scriptures, um, Israel's scriptures, as a great narrative, a story of creation and cosmos, a story of God and humans, then particularly the story of Israel. And the great points of that from Genesis, from Exodus, from Deuteronomy, from Isaiah, uh, all the David stuff, the Psalms, he knew them in and out, and he was praying them and could use them so that when then he was confronted by Jesus, he didn't see this as something different. He saw it as something fulfilling. It was different from what he'd imagined, but it was fulfilling the ultimate purpose of the, those great stories. So his Jewish education was as strict as it comes in his day, as he says two or three times in a letter. But um, we don't know how much... Uh, what we would call secular education he had in Tarsus, but clearly from his letters, he knows the philosophers, he knows the Stoics, he knows the Epicureans. Um, if he's on the street arguing with somebody, he'll see where they're coming from and be able to say, ah, yeah, I know, that's that bit of Plato or whatever it is. We can see him wrestling with these ideas in his letters. And his knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures is not... I mean, this isn't a passing understanding or, you know, quoting a, a few verses here and there. He has uh, what you said. He understood the story of God. Right. Yeah. So talk about 
I, mean, I think that's perhaps the number one thing I've gained from your book is the fact that his deep understanding of the story of God is what allowed that Damascus experience to not cause him to start a new religion, but just to see things anew. Yeah, and, and this is a real problem for us today, both in Britain and in America, because the way we use the word religion means something completely different from what it would have meant in his day. And also, um, neither of them correspond to what um, Paul came to believe and do. Because for us, a religion ever since the 18th century is something that basically we do with our private life. We go to church and we read the Bible or whatever. But it's not something that's happening on the street all the time. It's not something that's woven into every aspect of, of life when you go shopping or when you um, go out for a meal or whatever. In the ancient world, pretty well everything you could do had a religious component to it. And, and Paul was not, in that sense, starting a new religion, but because Judaism was much more than what we think of as a religion. It was an entire way of life, um, and to be loyal to Israel's God for every aspect of life. And for, for, for Paul, um, it, it, was, it was an extraordinary transformation that here is this great story from Adam and Abraham through Moses and the Exodus, through David and the prophets, and then the, particularly the exile when all the story of Israel seems to go horribly dark. And in Saul's day, they're, they're waiting for God to put it all right again. But they are not expecting a crucified Messiah to do it for them. So that there is both a sense of fulfillment and a sense of shock and horror when on the Damascus Road, and as I've described in the book, I think that the way that will have happened is that Saul of Tarsus will have been praying one of the regular devout Jewish ways of prayer, which was to meditate on Ezekiel chapter 1, the chariot with God riding on the chariot with the whirling wheels underneath and so on. Lots of Jews used that in prayer. And then when your eyes go up to see the figure who's riding on the chariot, for Paul it turned out to be Jesus. And I can see in that moment total sense of fulfillment and simultaneously a total sense of oh my goodness, I've been going in exactly the wrong direction. But that doesn't mean that he then stops being loyal to Israel's God. He just says that now I see the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has revealed himself in and as his son, Jesus, who has rescued us from the slavery of sin and has launched a new creation. And so there is this great story which has reached this climax, and now Saul finds himself, Paul finds himself, on the leading edge of the new movement in the purposes of God. And that's that's why it's so exciting. We are speaking with N.T. Wright. His brand-new work is called Paul, a Biography. Tom, then, are you saying that the reason that Paul was able to produce what he did uh, content-wise was that he didn't have that bold line separating sacred and secular, that that's what produced his integrated understanding of the world and why he was able to write as he did? That's exactly right. I mean, uh, the line between sacred and secular was being drawn in the 17th and 18th century in Europe and America. I'm actually doing some lectures in Aberdeen at the moment where I've been exploring all of that. It's very interesting, the history of how we got today into this assumption that there are these two things called sacred and secular. That wasn't how anybody in the ancient world thought, uh, except, interestingly, for one philosophical group called the Epicureans. We are now basically in the modern Western world. We are an Epicurean culture. Um, we don't realize it usually, but that's, that's where we've got to. Um, but for Saul and for the Greeks and for the Romans, there were gods and goddesses around everywhere. And for Saul, there is one god, 
who has now made himself known in it as Jesus, and that changes everything. So, yeah, this is why it's difficult for us, because we assume that if he's talking about God, uh, well, that may, makes him a religious uh, character. It puts him on the sacred side, so nothing to do with the secular. But no, um, he is founding little communities. We call them churches, but they're not really like our churches, because they are what the anthropologists call fictive kinship groups. That means people who are living like family, even though they aren't family. Uh, and that is an amazing thing to do. People who Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, um, figuring out what it means to live as a new family together, supporting one another, and, and doing this because they're all worshipping the God who is now revealed in Jesus. That That is explosive, and it was scandalous, and it was deeply worrying to many people in the culture, but it was also so energizing that it produced the movement we now call Christianity, for better and for worse, which is obviously still energizing us today. Yes. So I'm sure it was a difficult throw, so to speak, because Paul essentially was talking to all the people who were worshiping the non-gods or the pagan gods and saying, here, come into this new relationship. I mean, just to even speak that and then to to breathe life into that, to, to invite people into that must have been very difficult. It's difficult, not least because what they had to give up. He says to the Thessalonians, I remember how you turned from idols to serve a living God. And because we think of religion as something that we do once a week or whatever, we don't realize what this means is that pretty well every day of every week, there will be something going on, or on high days and holidays, there will be festivals, there will be processions, there will be games in honor of some god or goddess, or indeed of the Roman emperor, who was divinized, of course, at the time. And everyone turned out for these. So if you were a Jew, you wouldn't turn out because you had official permission not to. The Jews were allowed by the Romans not to do this. But for somebody who wasn't a Jew, suddenly to stop going to these processions, these carnivals, these sacrifices, these games, everyone would know. Your neighbors would see. There's no such thing as private life in the ancient world. Everybody would know. And here's the bad thing. If people stopped worshiping the gods in a city or a town, they would be suspect if any bad things happened, if there was a fire or an earthquake or a plague. Oh, it's because you people stopped worshipping. And so the Christians, by withdrawing from the pagan worship and simply meeting to worship the God revealed in Jesus, they would be socially outcast. They would lose jobs, they would lose business, they would lose friends, possibly family. And so that's why they needed to be an alternative family. The church was founded as an alternative family, partly because many of these people would have lost the family and friends that they had. So what about Saul's family that he came from, Tom? So you're you're talking about this radical understanding of community, but he also knows what tight community, he knew what tight community was. Absolutely, and we feel that at various points, particularly in Romans chapter 9, when he says he has unceasing sorrow in his heart because of his fellow Jewish Uh, people. And I am guessing, and it is only a guess, but it's a pretty clear guess, that he, that most of his family, probably his parents, his siblings, quite possibly if he'd been engaged to a girl, maybe daughter of friends or neighbors, and she may have broken it off or the family may have broken it off, he's got this ache in his heart that there are people he has known and loved who now regard him as crazy and dangerous. And maybe some of his family did become Jesus followers, but we can be pretty sure from what he says that most of them didn't. 
Testament. And that when he talks about the Jewish people, these are not. This is not a sort of arm-waving general category. These are people he knows and loves. He can see their faces in his mind's eye. He can hear their voices in his head, and he hears. He, you know, imagine his mother shaking her head and saying, "And you were always so clever, and we hoped you would be a great rabbi or whatever it might be." Right. And and now look, now look what's happened. So I think that is a constant thing for him, and he sees that as part of the puzzle of the cross, part of the paradox of the cross, that the cross isn't just something that happened one-off. It is a one-off, but it now seems to be woven into what it means to be a follower of Jesus all the way through. Thanks for being with us today. We're very, very excited to introduce you and continue our conversation with N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is one of the world's leading Bible scholars, the chair of New Testament and Early Christianity at the School of Divinity at the University of St. Andrew, talking about his brand new work called Paul, a Biography. Tom, I want to talk about the Damascus Road experience that Paul, that Saul had. But before we do that, to set the stage... I wonder if you can tell us about the Saul's motivation in being zealous for this big story that he understood. Yeah, absolutely. If anyone wants to understand that mindset, they should read the book called One Maccabees or First Maccabees, which is in the Apocrypha, which is printed in between Old and New Testaments in some Bibles, particularly Catholic Bibles, but also others. Because in First Maccabees, it tells the story of stuff that was happening roughly two centuries before the time of Jesus, when the Syrians invaded and took over um, uh, Judea and desecrated the temple and instituted pagan worship in the temple, and a small band of zealous Jews got together and said, we're not going to stand for this, we're going to say our prayers, and we're going to start a movement of zeal um, in order to persuade Jews to be loyal to their faith, even if it means them getting killed, and to hope and pray that by this means, God will enable us to uh, purify the temple and to get things back to where they should be. And they succeeded, but they succeeded through this, this notion of zeal. And when they look back, it's very interesting, in the Old Testament, there are two characters who kind of model what zeal should be. One is Phineas in the book of Numbers, who kills an Israelite and a Moabite woman uh, with one thrust of the spear. And, and stops the plague, the moral plague and the actual disease plague, which is spreading through the Israelite camp. The other model of zeal is Elijah, who kills the prophets of Baal when they have the contest on Mount Carmel. And in Saul's letters, in Paul's letters, we can see echoes of both the Phineas story and the Elijah story that Saul of Tarsus had thought, now we're in a situation like the Maccabees, like the Syrian crisis 200 years ago. What do we need? We need somebody to do the Phineas thing. We need somebody to do the Elijah thing. And that's when he gets authority from the chief priests to go and scoop up these horrible Christians who are desecrating the faith and who, as far as he sees, are making it uh, less likely rather than more that God is finally going to redeem Israel. Hmm. And, of course, as he's doing that, that he then meets Jesus on the road. So when he is standing there as Stephen is stoned, he's not just a a neutral observer. He feels like this is his task, his mission. 
Exactly. This is what we have to do. These people are leading Israel astray. And if you go back to the books of Exodus, um, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if there are people who are seriously leading Israel astray, and particularly Stephen was uh, accused of saying that God would destroy the temple and that Jesus had said that, that the temple was to be destroyed. Now, the temple was the place where heaven and earth met. So how could you possibly think that it's to be destroyed? And, and the law given by Moses was the divine law, the holy, just, and good law. How can you say that that would ever be changed? And yet the early Christians saw that in Jesus, God was actually fulfilling his purposes, and that the temple and the Torah, the law, were, as it were, signposts pointing forwards to what God was going to do. But now if God had done it, you don't need the signposts anymore. And that's the really scary thing that the fulfillment also means the abrogation. The story has been fulfilled, so we don't need the things that were the signposts on the way anymore. And that's where the real scandal comes. Individual results may vary. Sophia went through a lot of tutoring and got minimal results. For her ADHD, she was almost off the charts. None of the typical therapies met her needs. We felt like we were constantly playing catch-up. There was great guilt, like I had done something wrong. I hadn't taught my child what she needed to learn. She wasn't functioning in society. I knew, I knew this was going to be the solution. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems, it actually addressed the issue. That little girl that wants to do well, that wants to please, that wants to make the right choices, is actually able to make the right choices and to please now. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. It has completely, completely changed our lives. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 7 Two four three nine zero nine zero one two. That's seven two four three nine zero ninety twelve. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is forty. He was getting sky high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around. I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org. 
One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals, seeking a skilled labor position, or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. Snow tonight into tomorrow morning will accumulate 3 to 6 inches in and around the city with as much as 6 to 10 inches east towards the Laurels. Untreated roads will be snow-covered and slippery, going down to 29. Tomorrow afternoon, lingering clouds with a high of 37, going down to 21 tomorrow night. Thursday, partial sunshine, highs right around 40 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Not only is he a great theologian, he can play those ivories. <laughs> we'll be back with N.T. Wright in just a couple minutes. We wanted to break in and say a couple things. Uh, thank you for all the feedback on our interview in studio with David French yesterday of National Review. And uh, that's actually in full video, and it'll be posted on our Facebook page in just a couple minutes, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You can also find it on our website, johnandkathyshow.com, and a birthday celebration for someone near and dear to us. Yes, Classic Mike, who for many years was our board op uh, here in the studio. Today's Classic Mike's birthday. Happy birthday, Classic yes, Mike. Yes, 29 never looked so good I'm on the body. You what, and always making us fresh coffee. Yes. Don't always, you love him? Yes. Okay, we'll take a break, come back. Our conversation with N.T. Wright continues in just a minute. I'm sure that he's very happy that it's the new Mike's birthday as well. Be right back. I'm sorry, classic Mike's birthday. New Mike, your day will come. Meet John and Jane. They're 55 years old and each have $100,000. John bought a series of one-year CDs, which earn less than 1800 bucks a year. But Jane had a different plan. She put her $100,000 to work with J.D. Melberg Financial's annuity strategies. And when she retires at 65, she'll get $8,972 a year in guaranteed income for the rest of her life. Be like Jane. If you're at least 50 years old, call to get your free quote now at 800-727-8585. You won't find these strategies anywhere else. Call 800-727-8585. That's 800-727-8585. You could get payout rates up to 13.3% of your premium amount backed by top-rated insurance company, Sentinel Security Life. Annuity guarantees are backed by Sentinel Security Life Insurance Company. Optional writers may be available with a charge. Not available in all states. Producers have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Dentistry isn't what it used to be. It's really come a long way. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. The pain management techniques, the comfort that we can offer now really make it a much more pleasant experience. We have a great team. They really help to put a patient at ease. Dentistry, in my 
opinion shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Hello, friends. Christ Church at Crow Farm invites you to join us for a special service on Good Friday, March 30th. Beginning at 6 p.m., we will embark on a service commemorating Christ's death on the cross through special music, hymns, and pastoral reflections on the seven last words of Christ. We hope you will join Christ Church for this unique telling of the gospel on Good Friday as we prepare to celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday. For more details on this and all of our services, please check out our website, ccgf.org. That's ccgf.org. Crisis. It impacts everyone. It's personal. Crisis is inevitable. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before. How will you respond to those who are hurting? The Billy Graham Rapid Response Team invites you to a Sharing Hope in Crisis seminar. This one-day event's being held in Swickley at Christ Church at Grove Farm on Saturday, April 14th. It's sponsored by Project Pray Pittsburgh. You can find more information at billygram.org slash RRT. That's billygram.org slash RRT. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. N.T. Wright is with us. His brand new book is called Paul, A Biography. N.T., uh, take that a step further. So as uh, Paul brought people into communion with Jesus, they formed new communities, and these were very interesting communities, communities of forgiven sinners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and of course, in the um, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Jewish world, if you are a sinner and need to be forgiven, sooner or later you go to the temple and you offer the sacrifice and you are pronounced forgiven or cleansed or whatever it is. And from Jesus' time onwards, that was something that you could get without going to the temple because Jesus was offering it. And Paul saw that what Jesus had done on the cross and then in his resurrection launched a new world in which forgiveness of sins was the DNA. If you came into this world, um, Jesus had already dealt with all that had gone before, so that you didn't need to go to the temple, and indeed the churches themselves, Paul says, you are the temple of the living God, because God's Spirit dwells in you, individually and corporately, so that he doesn't lose the temple theology, it just stops being one building in Jerusalem and starts being all these communities of people scattered across what we think of as Greece and Turkey and Syria. Paul, a biography, the author N.T. Wright. Tom, let's go back to the uh, Damascus Road experience. Saul of Tarsus starts out uh, on that road. He's zealous for God and his requirements. As you said, he's zealous for the story of God. He has the hope of the coming together of heaven and earth. This is part of his understanding, even to the point of his approval of the stoning of Stephen. But something happens on that road. And then when he arrives at Damascus, he's blind He's shocked. He's experienced uh, some type of supernatural catastrophe. So tell us what happened. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm worried about the word supernatural because, again, that's a modern word. Uh, the word itself goes back to ancient times, but the way we use it today implies a division between natural and supernatural, um, which they wouldn't have understood. 
for them, uh, for the Jews and the early Christians, the whole world is God's world. God is in charge of it. God sometimes does things we don't expect. <laughs> but, but if we call it supernatural, it's not over against natural. It's just that sometimes this is even more extraordinary than the natural world is itself. So, sorry, that's a riff which I have to put in on the word supernatural. But I, I think what happens then is what some of the great Jewish traditions were all about, that when you pray, when you wait, when you're loyal to God, then sometimes there are moments like the baptism of Jesus or the transfiguration when heaven is opened. And what is heaven? It's not some place several miles up in the sky. Heaven is God's dimension of ordinary reality, so that the world we live in is bi-dimensional all the time. It's as though there's a great curtain hanging in the midst of reality, which we don't see, but sometimes, and there are passages in the Bible which describe this vividly, sometimes the curtain is drawn away, and oh, shock, horror, we see what the heavenly reality is, which is close right there beside us, and we just haven't seen it before. And I think that's exactly what happens. Saul of Tarsus experiences a heaven and earth moment when heaven becomes visible to earth and audible, and he sees and hears Jesus right there. Um, this is beyond the experience and hence beyond the imagination of many people, but I've actually known people who've had experiences not totally unlike this. And uh, for, for Saul, it's obvious that what was going on in retrospect was that he had to be stopped in his tracks quite literally and turned around and God used him because he was an amazingly well-qualified man. He knew the Greco-Roman world, but he knew the Jewish traditions inside out. Just the man to be able to explain the faith to the coming generation. And uh, so I, I think I, I like to think of it as a heaven and earth moment. And Jewish literature has a lot of those, but this is one of the most spectacular. I want to read a portion of what you wrote about the Damascus Road experience. You write, uh, this is a quote, the moment shattered Saul's wildest dreams and at the same time, at the same split second, fulfilled them. This was, he saw it in that instant, the fulfillment of Israel's ancient scriptures, but also the utter denial of the way he had been reading them up to that point. So, Tom, I love that quote because it brings together the idea that this was a man who had a full-throated understanding of that story of God, but he had seen it from the wrong perspective. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And this is Paul's later critique of his fellow Jews. He says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for mm -hmm. God, but it is not according to knowledge. And that's in Romans 10. And I think he's talking about his own former self when he had a zeal for God, but he didn't realize that his zeal was leading him in totally the wrong direction. And here's the thing, that when Jesus is revealed as being raised from the dead, and this is the crucified Jesus, then this must mean he really was and is Israel's Messiah. And he has done what the true king will do, namely defeat the powers and rescue his people and rebuild the temple in a new sense. And so this must be the fulfillment of all the promises to David and Solomon, it must be the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, but it means it in a way which no Jew of Saul's day had seen coming. 
they had seen, we, we know it from many Jewish sources at the time, they wanted God to get rid of the Romans, to establish Israel as a free people in their own land, and for the glory of God to come and dwell in the temple in Jerusalem like it had done in Solomon's day. And instead, God comes to dwell in the human temple called Jesus of Nazareth, and then in the human temple called the church by the Spirit. And so it's both fulfillment and shock horror um, as I say, abrogation. Tom, it's it was so interesting to me reading this. I never I never expected that Saul of Tarsus or Jews who thought like he did would would have expe- would have looked at the exile as being not over. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you need to go back, and, if I may say so, and read Daniel chapter 9. A very popular chapter in the first century, as we know from the historian Josephus, he tells us that the Jews in the middle of the first century uh, were very struck by, he says, an oracle in their scriptures which predicted that at that time a world ruler would arise from their country, in other words, from Judea. Now, there's only one passage in Israel's scriptures which tells you that time, and it's Daniel chapter 9. Because in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is in exile in Babylon. He prays and says, we thought the exile was supposed to be 70 years long because Jeremiah said so, so please can we get home now? And the angel says, basically, I've got good news and bad news. Yes, the exile will be over, but it won't be 70 years. It'll be 70 times 7 years. 490 years. Now, the book of Daniel, probably put together over a period of years itself, but it was being read in the first century as the way of saying this time of Israel's desolation, when the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Egyptians, then the Syrians, and now the Romans are ruling over us. This is a kind of a long extension of exile. And if you look back at the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel about what's going to happen when the exile is over, it's clear in the first century that none of them have come true. Um, read Isaiah 40 to 55 and say, would a first century Jew say, yes, of course, that happened ages ago. No, they're still waiting for it to happen. And so then when you get a Messiah, or a would-be Messiah being crucified and then being raised from the dead, suddenly the lights go on. This is what the end of exile really looks like, because exile was not just Israel's political enslavement, it was the exile of death itself. And now somebody, Israel's representative, the Messiah, has come back from the dead. This is the end of exile. And there's lots of end of exile stuff, which is about the kingdom of God, which is, of course, what Jesus talked about all the time and what Paul then implements. So this is difficult for us in the modern West to get our heads around, because it isn't an abstract, timeless salvation. It's a, it's a long divine plan, which is now fulfilled. N.T. Wright is with us. work done on this. Yeah. Sorry. N.T. Wright is with us. N.T., one of the world's leading Bible scholars, is the chair of New Testament and Early Christianity at the School of Divinity at the University of St. Andrews. An Anglican bishop and best-selling author, his brand new work is called Paul, A Biography. N.T., could you talk to us about the imprisonment of Paul? Why was Paul arrested? How long was he imprisoned? And, of course, how did that experience influence his writings and his life after? 
Wow, that, that's, a, that's a super big question. One of the first things we have to realize is that in the ancient world, prison was not uh, a custodial sentence. It wasn't that you committed a crime and were then sent to prison for a year or five years or whatever. Prison was where they put you when they were trying to figure out what to do with you, either before your trial or after your trial. And uh, so when you were in prison, you were waiting for a verdict of some sort or waiting for what was going to happen. But you might wait for months or years and then it might be death, it might be banishment, it might be a fine, it might be beatings, whatever it would be. That's the first thing to realize. Second thing to realize is um, if you're, hello? Second thing to realize is if you're in prison, they don't feed you, they don't give you anything, so your friends have to come and look after you, which is tricky if you're in a strange city and nobody knows you or they've turned their backs on you. So it's a pretty desolating experience. In the book of Acts and in Paul's letters, we see him in prison various times, but we suspect from what he says that there were other times as well which haven't been written up in Acts, but when he was imprisoned, and the reason he was put in prison was because what he was doing and saying was deeply, deeply subversive. He was saying that Jesus is Lord of the world. Now, everyone knew Caesar was Lord of the world. He was saying that through Jesus, we have these new communities where people live as family, even though they aren't family. Well, most societies find that quite disturbing and distressing, especially traditional societies that they'd have in the ancient world. So Saul was perceived as a troublemaker, as a rabble rouser, as a, as a subversive influence. And so people trumped up charges against him, and he was in and out of prison really quite a lot. Tom, there's just not a, a fraction enough time to talk about all of the elements of this book. It's, so I, I'm, I want to get to this point, though, and perhaps this is an appropriate place to end. I, I want to ask you about how we in Christendom have talked, uh, conversed, worked with Paul's writings in general, because the church accepts them as divinely inspired, but they're also historical documents written by uh, an actual man at a specific time in history. So talk to us about how we balance those approaches and, and how knowing history is essential to honoring the inspiration of the canon that we have. Wow, that's a great way of putting it, if I may say so. I mean, the historical task is absolutely vital because, as church history demonstrates, if people forget the historical context, they can take a verse or a chapter out of context and make it mean all sorts of things, which then you have to realize painfully later, no, it really wasn't talking about that. And actually, the church in every generation has recognized this, whether it's Jerome, whether it's Calvin, whoever it is, great scholars who've said we must be careful to get back to what was really being meant here. But here's the thing. As with the incarnation of Jesus itself, we only know who God incarnate is when we look at the incarnate God. We can't assume we know what it would mean for God to be incarnate and then project that onto Jesus. We have to look hard at Jesus in the Gospels and say, actually, that's what it looked like when God became human. In the same way, I have all my life believed that we, the reason we have the Bible is because God wanted us to have it, and God jolly well made sure that the writers wrote it. But we only know what it means when we actually pay attention to the specific texts. And that's been really my vocation throughout mm -hmm. my adult life, to study the Bible uh, as carefully and seriously as I can. And I was fortunate that I had a classical education from an early age, Latin and Greek and all that. Mm -hmm. 
And so I've just wallowed in the ancient history of it. But I've found as a preacher and a pastor that the more I've done the history, the more there is to preach mm-hmm. about and the more resources I have as a pastor. So it isn't either or. Mm-hmm. It isn't that the history pulls you away from the preaching and pastoral task. It sends you back to it refreshed and refocused. Outstanding. Tom, I told you this before we went on the air. Um, I haven't been this excited about a book in a long time. It's I mean, it is, a, it is a tremendous project that you've put together. I'm Personally, I'm grateful for it. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted, and I hope lots of other people will be too. Can I just mention, before we go off air, um, that there is uh, an online course which I've done um, based on this book, oh. which people could log on to and sign on for, and the, the courses uh, with other courses as well. They're at www.ntrightonline.org. And there's lots of people been signing on for this course. The course has just been launched to coincide with the book. Wonderful. So if somebody wants to so go deeper into it, that would be a great way to do it. Outstanding. Well, I hope that many people from the Pittsburgh area will join you online, Tom. It's, uh, it's very exciting. Thank, Thank you, you always so much. We, we greatly admire and appreciate your scholarship and the way that you equip and encourage the Christendom here in the 21st century. Thank you very much. It's very good to talk to you both. The pleasure is ours. N.T. Wright, his brand new work is called Paul, A Biography. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for a day with author, activist, and public theologian Brian McLaren on Wednesday, April 25th. A free workshop, Creating Communities of Spiritual Activism, or If I Were 26, What Kind of Church Would I Plant in 2018, will be held at 10 a.m. In the evening, a free public lecture titled How Our Churches Can Help Heal a Divided America will take place at 7 p.m. Registration required. Learn more at pts.edu. I'm Robin Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. If you're considering paying retail price for a new mattress, this is your wake-up call. Why is there suddenly a mattress store on every corner? Well, just Google mattress markups. Original Mattress is a private label mattress brand sold directly to the public. We own the factory and the store. Why? Let's just say excessive markups don't fit our values. Just say no to the middleman. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced originalmattress.com there's a girl in el salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer there's an elder in uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own no two dreams are the same help one person achieve theirs at unbound.org Greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for coming along today. We hope that you heard the entirety of the N.T. Wright conversation. If you didn't, it'll be up on our podcast. That's right. So give us an hour or so. We'll have that up at johnandkathyshow.com. Um, we'll also put it out on Facebook so that if you just caught a bit of it, believe me, you want to hear the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, The book is so thick with information and with uh, bits of insight. I, I mean... W- when Mike and I were sitting there listening to the interview earlier, Mike, how many times did we go like, oh, my gosh, like, it just, there's that. so much there. Yeah. Um, all I can do is encourage you to go buy that book and get into it. I mean, it's it's an ambitious read. It's, it's a large book. Um, but challenge yourself. But we, we pre-recorded that last uh, last week. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you'll hear the audio coming up uh, today if you find us online. 
Okay, Christianity Today just reporting uh, today an article by Kate Shelnut that Andy Savage, who is the pastor, if you remember, who disclosed his decades-old assault on a teen in his former youth group um, and was greeted by applause from his congregation. You yep. remember that? Yeah. Uh, he has, the church was roundly – they were savage. Right. Well, uh, he has stepped down from his position at his Memphis megachurch. Uh, those remarks happened on January 7th. They regarded an incident back in 1998, and of course, all the conversation, you know, that has gone on with people who weren't at the church. I mean, the people like us who just yeah. read about it, regardless. you know, watched the clip online. Uh, there's been months of discussion, coverage in national news media, and an investigation by the church where he served as teaching pastors. Church leaders had been aware of his misconduct, which had taken place at a church in Houston when he was a youth pastor. That was way before this church, High Point, hired him. Him. Uh, though the in- recent investigation did not uncover further instances of abuse, High Point leadership, quote, agrees that Andy's resignation is appropriate. He has been on leave during the course of this investigation. Um, in the wake of the Me Too movement, the victim in the story, uh, Jules Woodson, has spoken out publicly about the sexual assault that she says has haunted her since she was 17 years old and her disappointment with the church's response to the crime. She most recently shared her story and her reaction to Savage's initial remarks addressing the, quote, sexual incident earlier this month in a video that was posted by The New York Times. Did you see that, John? I did. I, you did. Mm-hmm. And what was your response to it? It was brutal. And sad. In a statement online, uh, Andy Savage addressed the criticism over his initial discussion of the assault and announced his resignation. Yes. He said this, quote, after much prayer and counsel, I now believe it's appropriate for me to resign from my staff position at High Point Church and step away from ministry in order to do everything I can to right the wrongs of the past. Apologies are important, but more is required. I know that stepping down once or even a second time still doesn't make things right for Jules, but addressing my own acts of abuse this way acknowledges the importance of confronting abuse in our culture and the church at large. In addition, I will continue striving to grow through this experience going forward as I seek God's will. You know, uh, as painful as this is for Andy Savage and for Jules, this young woman from a long time ago when this happened, uh, it's the right thing. Yeah, I think it's the right thing, too. Yeah. When he was a youth director, when all this happened, uh, the person that he reported to at his church, Austin Stone Community Church, that person has also lost his position. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he did not contact authorities to report the crime. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, look, this, this is, is good. It's, it, it, this is this is what we this needs to happen because churches need to understand that if there is an instance of abuse, it absolutely every time has to be reported sure. to authorities. And, every you know, time. Look, if anything has been learned from the horrific, you know, Catholic Church sex scandals over these decades, is that you can't bury this. It, it won't just go away. You can't shuttle. And I'm not saying that you know Andy Savage purposely you know lied about this, but you just can't bury this and expect no, you to you know. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing. It wasn't appropriately handled all that time ago in 1998. Right. And the, it's just, you know, now so just catching right, up. Now it's just catching That's up. All. Well, hey, thanks for being with us here today. We greatly appreciate your time with us. Yeah. And if you want to hear NT Wright, you can find us at johnandkathyshow.com. Yep. Also, our video, yesterday's one hour interview with the National Review's David French, will be available also. Very nice. Have yourself a great night. Please be careful out there on the roads. We'll be joining you shortly. Stay warm, dry, get your milk and bread if you've not done so yet.
The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.